Hi, and welcome to Power the Network. I'm your host, Tim Locker, Vice President of Broadband for CBM. Uh, we're super excited to be kicking off this podcast. We've got an industry icon joining us today, uh, 40, over 40 years in the industry. Um, started as a splicer for Bell Canada, now moved his way all the way up through PLP. He's a new business development manager for Preform Line Products. Uh, Dan Levac is always uh, very interesting to talk to, very passionate about uh, his position. And uh, we had a great conversation today about uh, broadband in America and government funding and some of our issues with infrastructure moving forward. So let's jump right in, learn a little bit more about Dan Levac and see what he's got to say. One of the things about PLP that really sticks in my mind when I started 16 years ago, Larry White was our regional manager back in the day. And, you know, I came from a splicing background, much like you did. Uh, the very first real uh, thing that I had to deal with with Preform when I first started was it was a leaky closure issue. We had a company that had about uh, 400 closures. They were leaking. Uh, you know, everybody was in an uproar. Larry came out. We met the engineer. We met the manager of the phone company, the splicing contractor, and we go out and, you know, investigate what's going on. Turns out it was, you know, uh, bad labor practices. They weren't put together correctly. But the one thing that stuck out to me was at the end of the day, this contractor had to go back and replace or repair about 400 locations and preform with no fault to their own sent that contractor everything he needed to take care of that job and took care of it on their dime. And that stuck with me from day one. And I think that says a lot about, you know, why our relationship has been so good and, and the support that people get from PLP. I, I appreciate that story and appreciate it about Larry White in particular because um, he's always been that type of person that would want to make things right. Yep. And it's not about pointing a finger about who did what wrong. It's about stepping up to the plate and taking ownership. You and I did the same thing with Facebook, if you would recall. Yep, uh, absolutely. A while back yep. where it was not an issue of PLP. But rather than call anybody out on the issue itself, we worked side by side with them in the manholes, developed a procedure to make it correct, and PLP provided the piece parts in order to make it correct and make everybody whole. Yep. It's not about a one and done, right? And that's like our relationship. Absolutely, yep. It's about long-term. It's about forming a relationship that will last the test of time and without being funny about it, making it generational. Because yeah. my first contact with CBM was with one of its founders because I've been around a little bit yeah. longer than you have. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it's very interesting to see what happens in the history and in the old days. Um, as I say, I came from the field, so I was a knuckle dragger. Um, and for those of you that don't know what the term knuckle dragger is, is that's when basically you don't form any hair on your knuckles because they drag on the ground. Um, but being a knuckle dragger means you're outside plant working, you figure out things and how to do things to get it right. And I remember coming out of the field and working with uh, John Marietti um, and did a presentation and we captured a great deal of business. And I was kind of rough around the edges and how I presented. Sure. Um, since smoothed out some of those edges a little bit at least one of them um, but anyways john took the time 
after this was all done, to write a letter to my supervisor informing him of what he thought of me and my presentation skills and what PLP, thus any of our reps had in the, in the wheelhouse for what was to come. They said, what's coming is really cool. It's, we've got a lot of excitement. And that's the thing. For me, it's always been about passion. If you don't have the passion for what you do, how do you expect anybody else to listen to you? How do you expect anybody yeah. else to buy into your passion, right? Absolutely. So CBM and PLP go way back. And there's always been passion and there's always been an understanding between the groups on what does the, uh, the manufacturer's representative do and how it relates to the manufacturer itself and more importantly to the end user. Yes. And, and, and that's one thing that I really appreciate about PLP and the relationship with the reps is that we really are an extension of PLP. Absolutely. Um, you know, we have the ability to make decisions and know that you guys will support us. And, and, you know, we're the, we're the feet on the streets for, for your customers and our customers. Yeah. Um, so that, that means a lot to us. Um, you know, we've got a similar background. I was also a splicer. Uh, I spent about 10 years as a fiber splicer. So I've drug a couple knuckles, you know, been in the trenches. I feel like that's helped me, uh, you know, at an end user standpoint, being able to, you know, coach people through what they're doing. Um, and I'm sure it has you too, but has that helped you? You know, how has that helped you, I guess, in a leadership aspect, you know, not so much in your presentation skills, but how has that helped you, you know, leading the folks that you have? Interesting, interesting thought. Um, I, I get on the bandwagon now and most of my guys get really tired of hearing me say it, but it's about perspective. Okay. So when we start out and we've got our knuckles in the mud, um, we're focused on what we're doing. We're not worrying about what this guy's doing. We're not worrying about what this guy's yeah. doing, but we're focused on our job and we get really good at it. We have to be the best that we can be at it. Never mind being the best in the world. You just have to be the best that you can be. And when you give everything you've got and you show passion and, and you, you, you just want to be the best, people will notice that. And then you may get promoted. You take a step back. And now what happens when you take that step back? Your perspective changes. Okay. Yeah. Stay yeah. with me. The more you get promoted, the more you move up, the more your perspective changes. It gets wider well, and, and wider. The less you actually have a chance to touch and feel and do all so the things that's that you're exactly used right. To so doing. then now what happens is the perspective that I used to have is based on a time and a technological period that has changed. So now what happens is I depend on that guy that I used to be, I depend on that person's perspective more than ever. I don't have the answers to everything I used to have. Now I have to depend on the next person that has taken that role. So I look at yeah. that as an understanding of perspective. Again, with the generation thing, it's generational. So how does that help us to relate to that person now, the younger generation person that's on the front line that has that close-up perspective? We have to really listen. Yeah. So... One of the things I know is very important to you and I think is certainly related to what's going on in the industry now with this broadband just blast that we're seeing. Um, how do we train all the people that are coming into the into these positions? How do we first recruit them, but how do we train them uh, so that all of this deployment will actually have some legs under it? Again, this is, this is from my point of view – uh, it's probably not going to be accepted by everybody, but 
most every organization I belong to, and I belong to a lot of them, whether it's the FBA, the SCTE, or especially the PCCA, uh, the Power and Communication Contractors Association have done a wonderful job. They get into the dirt and they, they really figure out what do we have to do in order to make this happen. So they're doing a lot of training programs. FBA has got the optics training program. They're doing stuff. SCTE is doing stuff on the cable side of the house. And everything is like fitting in this, this perfect situation, right? So, But if you hear it from the FBA, everything has to be about the fiber splicer, right? Mm-hmm. And then you hear it from the PCCA and they said, did you realize for every one fiber splicer that's out there, it takes 20 other construction workers to get the fiber to that person? Right? <laughs> that's a great point. But yeah. wait, there's more. So now you've got manufacturers, distributors, heaven forbid salespeople sure. that are also have to be part of that process. And it requires another 30 or 40 of them in order to get the equipment to those people. One more thing. 150 to 250 qualified instructors to train the people that we need to have on site. Yep. So this is this is not going to be fixed in a week. No, it's not, not going to be fixed in a year, <laughs> right? What is it? Generational. It is. It's going to be a generational fix. But there's more students that are required. And how do we get those students and where do we get them from? Well, that's really the, the industry's short, like 200 to 500,000 yeah. people to do the work necessary to get us to where we need to go with the broadband. Yeah, and, and you know, and the contractors are already booked into next year and they, you know, companies are finding themselves not being able to get their projects done because they can't get contractor to do it. Yeah, technology is going to help. Um, it's not fully here yet, um, but there's a lot of good technology that's hitting the industry and changing. And I always make a comment because of my advanced age. Um, what I've seen in the last, say, 2023, technology has advanced quicker than it has in the first 40 plus years that I've been in the industry. Oh, yeah. That's I totally how agree. fast yeah. and how rapid this is moving. So it's going to take a lot more than some of these classes to get it done. Yes, it's going to take public private, but it's going to take an understanding of what the investment really is going to be for everybody. And the reason I bring that up is if, and you brought up bead, right? The, sure. the, the, the financial part of it. Um, it's really interesting. People say, well, there's $60 billion coming in. But wait, $20 billion of that is going to be for subsidies for people that can't afford that internet, which is a good thing, right? And then most people don't realize there's going to be a tax put on that. So the money that's the $42 billion that's left over, there's going to be a 20% tax. Yeah, you and I talked earlier about that a little bit. And, and that's something that I didn't realize Uh so I, I guess if you could explain that a little bit more, because this, this kind of blew me away in terms of... So it's a, it's a typical tax from the government. Um, uh, they tax as much and as often as they can. Um, but when I say 20%, people look at it and say, oh, 20%. $8.5 billion off the top yeah, that's that now come away from the infrastructure build and go back into the government coffers. So That's what, a big so what chunk you're, of change. So what you're saying is the money that the federal government is doling out in the bead program, the recipients are then being taxed like an income tax on that money. Uh, it's it's a user tax, right? User so tax. yeah, okay. Um, so but that's that's but the, here's some good things about it is that I've noticed that some of the states are relinquishing their portion of the tax that they would put on it. So there's also a state tax that might hit (laughs) unless it's written out of the specification. 
Um, and then the other thing is, is that they're giving the money to the states to to provide infrastructure based on the need of each state, which is cool. Yes. Really quick, let me tell you a little bit about CBM. We're a manufacturer's rep firm right here in the Midwest. Uh, what that means is we are a contracted sales organization that works for multiple different manufacturers. Uh, so we can be a resource for you on many different facets. Uh, we were established in 1960 and now are an ESOP company. So we are employee-owned. And what that means is we have a different mindset here. Uh, the tagline around the office is act like an owner. Uh, so our employees, uh, they think differently, think as owners, and we operate that way. And we are inspired by that leadership. Uh, if we can be a resource for you, uh, please reach out to us at cbmrep.com. But I'd like to talk a little bit more about BABA, Build America by America. Oh, BABA. Yes. Yeah. And we're not talking yeah. about black sheep here. No. Nope. So <laughs> so this, is con- this has been confusing to me because I've sat through a couple of, you know, RUS presentations mm-hmm. talking about Buy America and Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a couple of different Buy Americas, Oh, right? there's more than one, but I mean, let's just talk about this specific okay. one, right, for the bead program? Yeah, so it, in my in my understanding of it, it seems to me like they're putting a lot of emphasis on how to get around it. So some people are, and that's the people that can't meet it. Gotcha. Okay? That makes so, sense. But here's the issue with the whole concept is that, number one, the, the language has not even fully written yet. It's not decided yet, right? They have till September 21st to present to the NTIA, which will then decide whether or not we have to make arrangements to have carve-outs for whatever's necessary. I found it interesting. I was at a a broadband symposium not long ago, and I can say this because it's public, but ADTRAN had a big event, and they announced, and they had a bunch of government uh, from the current administration present. They had some, some representation there. And Adtran, about a $1.2 billion company, said, look at us. We spent $5 million in order to prepare for this, right, to be compliant and to increase our capacity for deployment for the BEAD program. Everybody would think that they just went to the moon and back. Yeah. Right? PLP, on the other hand, has invested, and we're smaller than that. We're about $700 million company. We invested well over $35 million in order to do this, Right. Through the plant expansion. Plant expansion. We put it, we bought another company. We did an extensive tooling program to increase capacity. We bought a manufacturing facility with injection molding in the Czech Republic. People say, well, how does that matter for America? Because we were supplying EMEA with all of our coyote closures from so the United now that States. Staying here. So now that product that would have been put there is now going to stay here in the United States. And the plant that we purchased in the Czech Republic would be able to support that. Yeah. For the need for EMEA. So all that considered, they want to look at the language within BABA and say, well, everything uh, except for if it's plastic or if it's metal and it's made in China, you're out. So I would challenge anybody to find a nut, a bolt, or any kind of fastener well, yeah, inside a system to, that's not manufactured in China was, or in Asia. Yeah, I was going to try to stop you there. So nuts, bolts, plastic. So does that mean... Plastic manufactured overseas is, is, is allowed? Is not allowed. It's not allowed. It's not allowed. Okay. 
That's an automatic disqualification, even though 90% of our product could be manufactured in the United States. My argument to the NTIA is why can't a company that's investing that much money, not only in the expansion, but in the employees, right? Yeah. These American employees, why can't we get weight, uh, contribute, let, let that contribute to the weight of the overall uh, associated cost yeah. of manufacturing well, and that's the a product. Great point, especially for PLP, because you, you know, I've had the pleasure to go through the factory down in Rogers and meet the folks down there that are that are building these products. And I mean, what's the average tenure at the plant? Twenty five years? Oh yeah, I mean, you it's, know, it's, it's 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 up extent, there. It's up there. You've got but, a lot of long term I mean, folks there. Uh, it's it's the people that we invest in, but it's the equipment we invest in. We have to be uh, in order to stay relevant, right? It's kind of like if you don't invest in yourself. Um, who does? If you don't invest in yourself, eventually yeah. you'll wither on the vine and become irrelevant. Yep. And we're trying to avoid that. So we're making really strategic investments. We're up to over 60 injection molding machines in the United States alone. That's awesome. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal growth that we've had, and it's to prepare for this. And it was on the hope that the documentation that would be required would be reasonable to the point that it would not disqualify an American company from participating in an American program. Well, I think that's the whole kind of heart behind the BABA is that, yeah, we support the American companies that are building the stuff here for the American projects. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm sure PLP in the end is going to do the right thing. And We always have. Yeah, so. And PLP has been around for uh, 75 years. Yep. And it's always been PLP. We've not changed our name. We've not run from the public. Uh, we didn't change our name to protect the innocent. We've always been PLP, and we're really proud of that. And yep. we're proud of what we do in order to understand how this works. It's generational again. PLP's the fourth generation is now uh, the president of PLP. And so that's an exciting time for us. We're in very, you know, a lot of different um areas of expertise that we have in regards to the utility space, right? Yeah. So we're in the transmission, distribution, substation, underground, communication, tower and antenna, uh, solar. We're into inspection services. All of these different things. EV. I mean, we're all into all of these different things. And and it's just an interesting time and a phenomenal time to be in the industry. Anybody that's not in any one of these industries should get become part of it. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're in here, on. what's not to love? Well, and the, the neat thing too about the, you know, the telecom industry in particular is it's, it's fairly small. I mean, it's a tight niche group of people. And even in my, you know, I've been in the industry, oh gosh, I guess 25 years now. Youngin. Uh, but, you know, in, in just even in this role, 16 years at CBM, uh, it's amazing just how small it really is. And, and it's full of a lot of good people. Oh, absolutely. So it's a, it's a great spot to work. I can count on one hand the number of true, not nice people I've met in the 40 plus years I've been in the industry. That's it. Well, so, one hand is better than one finger. So I'm well, glad you refreshed. I'm just them. saying. So, Tim, you didn't make the list. <laughs> I did. Right? So, yeah. Um, that's a good thing. But again, I'll go back to the investment part of it. Understanding to invest in yourself and to outreach is another thing that I like to do. Um, like SCTE membership, right? Outreach yeah. is reach out to someone that you typically wouldn't talk to to expand 
other people's knowledge of the industries that you are that you serve, right? You say telecommunications, I say communications. Because yeah. it's it's expanded it's all to encompassing. the but it's expanded to the point that who else is being left out because it's not typical telco. Well, yeah, and that's been I think one of the challenges for certainly for us at CBM and and I think also with PLP is I mean we're seeing the broadband spread across all these industries. Uh, you know, it used to be just your typical telcos that are that are doing this, cable TV companies. And now it's you got wireless providers, uh, you've got utilities, uh, you know. There's all different, you know, municipals that are doing builds now. Uh, you want to know, you know one that really fires me up that no one's talking about, or very few people are talking about? What's that? Is the tribal deployment? If yeah. you look at the tribal deployment, and again, I've been around a long time, and I've done a lot of work for the U.S. government, uh, training the DoD, training the various branches of the military around the world. I've been blessed to be able to do this, but one of the ones that I really started to get involved with recently was the tribal deployment thought process, and it's exciting. Yeah, we've got we've got several large projects in our area that are. It's that a are throwback. Yeah, it's a throwback. I was able to have a meeting with them at one of our shows in our office on the floor in our our meeting room on the floor, and I was just blown away by the the conversation that we had because they talked generational. Right? Absolutely. And yeah. they talked about their tribe originated in Ohio, right? Which is now where I live. Pretty interesting. And then they said four generations later, they went from 98 people to almost 4,000 people in their tribe. And then I talked to them about their deployment thought process and what was going on. They said, we're not a one and done. We're not doing this for tomorrow. We're doing this for what's next. We're doing this yeah. for the generations to come. And that clicked a bell for you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, because I've been in the industry for four generations. So I sit yeah. back and I look at this and I see the people in my mind that are out there working hard to develop a and deploy infrastructure that will be there for their children, their grandchildren, and their grandchildren's children. That's how it used to be. Yeah. It never used to be about, let's put it on there, get it done, and see if we can walk away and make a buck. It was about the future of that. And for them, it's about the future of the tribe. Isn't that something to, to be excited about? Well, they want to build it's, those it's, relationships. Yeah, it's a lot bigger than just, you know, me personally. Well, I need internet at the house. This is, I mean, it's, like you said, it's generational. One thing you said, though, too, about that, you know, doing that, building it for the long term and, and the people coming behind you know, I've read a few different articles about, you know, some of our first deployments, uh, you know, the first round of RDOF, et cetera, and some of the things, you know, stuff we've built even in the last 10 years is now all of a sudden obsolete uh, or, you know, we're doing, thing different, doing things differently now. How do we, what do we do now? How do we build our networks differently now so that it will last generationally? We still have the same thought process in mind, and I think it has to change a little bit. Uh, reason being is, in other words, like future-proofing and long-term investment are coming up more and more. Before it was an automatic, it was a given that we were building the plant for 30 to 40 years. It's not that way yeah. anymore. So now when you talk about future-proofing, you've got to talk about scalability. You've got to talk about adaptability. You've got to talk about transforming an original thought that was build it, get it done, and move on to build it, we're coming back next week to add to it or expand it. So knowing, now, knowing ahead of time that knowing we're going to add on to it. That you're going to add on to it. Because back in my day of splicing, you know, you'd have a, a six count 
Mm-hmm. And the guy would say, oh, I mean, that's I'll never all you're more. ever going to need. You're never going to need more than that. <laughs> well, that fiber doesn't even work in today's technology, yeah. you know, let alone not be enough. Yeah. I always enjoy talking with Dan. He's so dynamic and passionate about what he does. Uh, we appreciate him coming on the show. He's got a lot to say, so we're probably going to have a follow-up here uh, coming out for part two with Dan. If you've got questions about preform line products, you can always go to plp.com or reach out to us here at CBM. That's cbmrep.com, and we're happy to get you in touch with PLP or any other resource we can be for you. We'd appreciate that. Uh, Thank you again for joining us on Power the Network, and we'll see you next time.